pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. It's nice to um, be here. It's nice to um, preach my own sermon <laughs> rather than try and preach someone else's sermon. Um, to start, I'm, I'm actually going to draw um, and... I'm just going to bring it over. Background. I'm actually a trained visual arts teacher. Hilarious fact. Can't draw for peanuts. Um, but I do it, and even though um, I'm going to draw stick figures, and you're going to laugh at me, because when I draw at school, the, the students do all fully laugh at me. They're just like, Miss, I thought you said you were an art teacher. I'm like, I am, but guess what? I majored in painting and printmaking, and drawing is not my strength. <laughs> um, but I do it so that you get the idea. <laughs> you can do anything, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you just got to have a go. Um, okay, what I'm going to do, can we all see? I know that it's hard to everyone to see wherever I stand. Um, what I want to do is, uh, this morning, I just want to draw, I just get our minds warped up, warmed up, get us into action. I want us to draw, uh, to guess, um, I'm going to draw on here, a little bit of Pictionary, some day-to-day -day tasks that we do, okay? And when you think you know what I'm drawing, pop up your hand or yell it out, um, and, and we'll give it a go. And I'll, I'll show you in a sec as to why we're doing this. Okay, so I've got some eyes. Oh, I just gave it away, didn't I? Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, what? It is a person. Well done. I do like that already. Brushing teeth. That's right. Yell them out nice and clear. Well done. Now, hands up if you brush your teeth. I should see all hands going up, just so you know. Unless you are a bubby that has no teeth. <laughs> awesome. Um, and someone tell me, why do you do it? Why do you do it? Sorry? Keep them, clean. Keep them clean. That's a good answer. There are more than one answer. Why do you brush your teeth? So they don't fall out. That is good. That's right, because sometimes they fall out in the natural way. Important. But so that they don't fall out in the unnatural way. Good point. I like that. Anyone else? Yes, to freshen your breath. Excellent. So all good reasons, uh, whether you're, you're doing it to, so they don't fall out, or to freshen your breath, or to keep them clean. Fantastic. All right. Number two. Let's see. You guys are on this already. I'm just going to remember what my number two is. <laughs> this is what happens. I had it. Oh, yes. All right. All good. This is another like task that we might do day to day. Some of us might do it lots. Some of us might not do it ever. Oh, my gosh. This was terrible. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's my person. Not a stick figure. More like a... We just won't even go there. Uh, mm -hmm. Say it out nice and loud. Working out, exercise, brilliant. This person's holding up some dumbbells, or if it was uh, Dan's, it would be kettlebells. <laughs> um, beautiful. Hands up if you exercise, even if it's like infrequently or regularly or not so regularly. There you go. If you go for a walk, that is exercise, people. Well done. Um, tell me, why might you exercise? Give me some reasons. Joy. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> but good, good on you. Joy, what are some other reasons why we might exercise? Keep your body healthy and fit. Why else? No. Keep your body strong. Desperate attempt to slow down my aging process. Yeah. You know what, amen, I appreciate your... <laughs> no, I'm already feeling it, trust me. 
Um, yes, I know. I appreciate your honesty. Sometimes it's like, if I don't move, I'm just going to lock up entirely. So we're just going to try and slow that process down. Beautiful. All good reasons why you might exercise. One more that I'm going to do for you. Uh, now, this is the modern way. I'm giving you a hint. Oh, let me see if I can do it. It's funny. Sorry? No. Good guessing, though. Uh-huh. Sorry? No, not cooking. Not an oven. You might also do it this way where you might have... But no one ever does it this way anymore. There we go. I was like, with the, like, tap. It's my terrible tap. I feel like the dishwasher was easier, but no one was going to get it. All right. Hands up why you, oh, hands up who does the washing, yeah, who does the washing up and the dishwashing? Yeah, okay, nice, nice. And tell me why, why do you do it? Because you have to. Say again. That's right, because they're dirty and they have to get clean, right? Why else? Save yourself from dish bad hands. Yeah. Dipping into hot Yep, true, yep. So we do it because we need to have clean dishes, right? If we just had all our dishes dirty and we didn't wash up, then we'd have none. You got something to add? Yeah, go on. Then it would be lots of germs, wouldn't it? You are right on the money. Oh, and we don't want those jams to take over the world, so we wash the dishes. Awesome. You guys are just pros at this. All right, I'm going to draw a last one. You ready? Uh, now, this one should be easy to draw, but actually, I find this one hard to draw. It is a hand. Well done to that um, moment. Nope. <laughs> there we go. I'm like, come on, people, with your emojis. You've got hand praying emojis. <laughs> See, this is why you get to laugh, right? Praying. All right. I'm not going to ask who does it. You can think about that quietly. I'm not going to ask why you do it, because that is something that we are going to be looking at more today. Okay? I, I think when you think about brushing your teeth, when you think about stacking the dishwasher, when you think about exercising, um, all of those things, there's lots of different motivations for why we might uh, do those. But often these motivations are should, I should exercise, um, I should do these things, I, wanna, I want to have clean dishes, and often... Um, these tasks can be kind of motivated by habit or guilt or a desired outcome. And sometimes I think when it comes to prayer, these motivations can slip into our faith and in particularly into our prayer life. Has this ever come past your mind? I really should pray. Oh, that's right. I said I would pray for that person. Now I feel guilty because I said I would and now I haven't. It's hard, isn't it? Let me suggest that there are many reasons and motivations behind our prayer life. Some of them could be should, good, um, they could be habit or a desired outcome, but I don't think 
These motivations are the motivation that the author of Hebrews would have us take. In fact, I think that the author of Hebrews knows that there's simply more at stake than staying fit or having healthy teeth or clean dishes. In fact, if we want a healthy prayer life, we need to start with a reason that's going to keep us motivated to come back to prayer time and time again. And I think today's passage gives the foundation for such a motivation. Now, in saying that, and some of you that have seen me throughout the week will know that this has not been a passage that's easy for me to work with. Now, partly it's because it wasn't immediately clear how Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, uh, fits with the topic of prayer. It just wasn't immediately clear to me. And partly... This section that I've been given also launches in halfway through a thought. How do I know that? Well, you can tell because it starts with a therefore. So let, us, let me give you just a bit of a context to the verses that have just been read out. Hebrews is written to Christians who are considering giving up on Christ and reverting back to Judaism. It seems like they've been facing some pressure, some persecution, and they're on the verge of just throwing this whole Jesus thing in. Hebrews is written to Christians and is warning them of dangers of giving up on Jesus, but also an encouragement to persevere despite the persecutions. Now, at a guess, I don't know too many of us that are in danger of giving up our faith and returning to Judaism. There's, there's probably not something that I see a lot here. But we may be tempted to stop living good God's way and just do what's easy. Or just slip into the normal or the familiar and not keep going along the path that God set for us. So therefore, I think we also do need to hear this warning and this encouragement to remain faithful right until the end. But how do we do it? In short, prayer. Instead of trying to remain faithful in our own strength, in prayer, we surrender and accept the help that God offers through the person of Jesus. And this is how I see that link between these verses and prayer. Because I'm convinced that the more we peer into the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ through these verses in Hebrews, the more we will surrender in prayer. We will desire to surrender in prayer, not from a place of should do, but a place of want to. So let's begin. Let's jump right in. There's three reasons for prayer, and I've got them from the three verses of Hebrews. The first reason of why pray is because Jesus made a way. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. You see, this verse tells us a few things um, that show that Jesus has made a way into the very presence of God. Firstly, he is a great high priest. Now, that's an unusual image and not one that we might be heaps familiar with. But this image and the associated language would have been very familiar to the original readers. Remember, they are Jewish Christians. So for them, they have well known this throughout their lives. 
But for us, we're less familiar, so let's break it down. The original readers would have had a very thorough knowledge of the Old, Old Testament temple and sacrificial system. The language in Hebrews 4 is associated with that temple worship. The role of the high priest was to make a way between God and people. The priest was like a mediator. God is a holy God and people are a sinful people. So the priest would need to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people to pay for the price of the sin of the people. And the priest did this day after day in the temple. However, once a year, there was a very special sacrifice for the sins of the whole community. And on this day, the high priest would offer this sacrifice in the inner sanctuary of the temple where God promised his presence would be. However, because the high priest would need to go into the presence of such a holy God, he would have to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as undergoing an extremely detailed process to be ceremonially clean. You see, we can't just waltz into the presence of God. Hebrews 4.14, though, says we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus has become the ultimate mediator between us, a sinful people, and the holy God of all creation. And just like the high priest, Jesus offers a sacrifice on behalf of the people. He offers himself as a perfect sacrifice once and for all. In fact, so perfect is his sacrifice that it does away with the whole sacrificial system because he paid the ultimate price for our sins with his life. Our sins stopped us from being able to come into the presence of God, but Jesus' blood made a way for us to come into the presence of God. And so now we have this privilege, don't we? We have this privilege of accessing God's presence whenever we want to. We don't need to wait for a special time. We don't need to be in a particular place. We don't need to do ceremonially cleansing. We don't need to offer anything. At any moment, any moment, we can access God's love, his peace, his courage, at any moment, we can bring to him whatever's in our hearts, whatever's in our minds, and we can bring it directly to God. In an instant, we have the ear of the one who created all things. And we can whisper our secrets. We can yell out our frustrations. We can sing out our joys. We have a way to come straight into the presence of God and it's all because of Jesus, our great high priest. Well, the second reason why we, why we should pray is because God has given us Jesus and only Jesus truly understands the temptation that we face. 
Have a look at verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And it sounds so good. Jesus gets it, right? He understands temptation that we face. But if I'm honest, I've always wrestled with this verse. And perhaps I'm not alone. Maybe it's just me, but I'll tell you why I find it hard for me. Firstly, I think, yeah, I know. Jesus was tempted in every way. But really, was he? Did he experience all the temptations that I face? And even if he did, could he have faced all the temptation that all people face? How does he know the temptation to spend excessive amounts of time on a device when iPads and phones weren't even invented? How does he know the temptation to remain faithful in marriage when he wasn't married? How does he know the temptation of a parent to just snap at the kids when he wasn't a parent? Jesus, tempted in every way? At least that's where my mind goes. And it's a shame because I think it distracts and it detracts from the beauty and the power of this verse. And while preparing this message, I had to push deeper into what's actually being said, and I'm so pleased I did. I realised that as I did, the Greek translation in this verse is a little ambiguous. This has led different translations to word it in slightly different emphasis, and while most have gone with the whole tempted in every way as we are, which kind of leads me down the rabbit hole of cataloguing sins that may or may not apply to Jesus, the amplified version is very helpful because it kind of fleshes it out and it says it like this, one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human, in every respect as we are. And this means that the full humanity of Jesus is that he faced the full range of temptation rather than every little manifestation of human temptation. And that was helpful for me. I don't know if that maybe that was just a moment that God needed to do in my life. But for me, when I understood that Jesus faced the full range of human temptation rather than all the specific temptations, then I can know for sure that he actually truly understands because he is like us as we are. Well, almost. Because then I move on to the second part of the verse, and I'm always like, really? We had to have a second part to this verse, because it says, Jesus was tempted in every way. And I'm like, cool, as we are. Mm-hmm. Yet he did not sin. And I'm like, ah, oh, and this is where I come unstuck all over again. because just when I feel like he understands, just be when I feel like he gets it because he faced the full range of human temptation, then it goes and adds, yet he did not sin. And again, I'm tempted to think, well then, does he really get it? Because in my mind, Jesus becomes this perfect, pious person that I can't relate to. And he certainly couldn't relate to me because when I look 
I see that I give in to temptation and fail every day. How could Jesus truly know the struggle, the shame, the pain of living with regret and consequences if he didn't sin? Surely he has never struggled with sin and temptation to the point that we have. Actually, he has. He has struggled against sin and temptation to a much higher degree and intensity than you or I could ever face. Let me illustrate. I found this image so helpful. It's by a well-known author, C.S. Lewis. He said, imagine a man walking against a really strong wind. He's pushing, straining forward against this wind. And once this wind of temptation gets strong enough, the man gives up and lies down. Therefore, he never knows what it would be like if he held on just a little longer. But Jesus never lay down. He endured all our temptations and testings, and he never gave in. You see, only he knows that true cost. Only Jesus knows the limits. In fact, Jesus knows temptation better than we all do. And throughout our lives, we will face all kinds of temptations. They can be big public ones in direct rebellion to God's good ways, or they could be temptations in our thoughts or in our attitude that no one else may ever see. But only God will know each of us fully. Only God will see all of our weaknesses, all the areas we try and fail, all the areas that we don't even try, the thoughts and actions that we just ignore and fail to confess or do anything about, the temptation even to trust God's plan and his way for our lives. But but we don't have to face these temptations alone. We have Jesus to help us. And he's not impassive to these trials and the temptations that we face. He actually shares our feelings of weakness and vulnerability. For the Bible says he was tempted in every way just as we are. So we pray and we ask Jesus to help because only Jesus truly knows and understands. And the third reason for why I pray is because Jesus wants to help. Not only has Jesus made a way and is able to understand all the temptations we face, he actually wants to help? His deepest desires is to bear our burden. I read this 
beautiful book called Gentle and Lowly, and Dane Ortland, the author, puts it this way. He says, if you are in Christ, you have a friend in your sorrow who will never lob down a pep talk from heaven. He cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing can hold him back. His heart is too bound up with yours. When I read this and I actually allowed my heart to meditate on it, it completely undid me. You see, Jesus has every reason to keep his distance from us. He has every reason to look at me and say, Laura, your sin, your grief, your pain, your regret and your guilt is your own fault and it's not my problem. And I don't want to be with you in this. Yet, he willingly chooses More than that, bear with me. (laughs) More than that, his heart compels him to climb down into the mess and feel the full weight of my burdens. Where we would expect a holy God Keep himself at a distance. He runs. He runs without any hesitation. And he enters fully into our sorrows. I did say this undid me. (laughs) Another way I like to think of it is like, imagine that our sin is like this deep pit And we're stuck. We're just stuck in this pit. And no matter what we do, you can't climb out. It's just too deep. And then Jesus, like, jumps in with us. And we're like, what'd you do that for? (laughs) Yeah, we're both stuck. (laughs) But Jesus answers, it's okay. I know the way. Follow me. So why would we pray? Because Jesus actually wants to help. His heart's deepest desire when we have fallen short is to offer grace. His heart's deepest desire when we have made the most unimaginable mistakes is to offer forgiveness. His heart's deepest desire is for us. And it reminds me of a song that's been popular these last few years in Christian music, The Blessing. It says, in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. And indeed, he is for us. In fact, only Jesus can have the truest and deepest sympathy for us. For he knows fully our weakness, but because he never sinned, his heart has never turned in on himself in self-pity or self-absorption. So his heart remains wholly on ours as he willingly enters into 
suffering with us. And with a heart of love, Hebrews 5 verse 2 reminds us that he deals gently with us. And so as I finish, I realise in many ways I've not talked a lot about prayer. I've talked a lot about Jesus, his sacrifice for us, his role as high priest who intercedes on our behalf, his understanding of temptation and his willingness to climb into the mess and bear our burdens. But what of prayer? How does this all give us reason to pray? Well, the original hearers of Hebrews would have grasped the privilege it is to come into the presence of God. Like I said, having witnessed the sacrificial system. And it is a privilege that I think many of us take for granted. But when we truly grasp the amazing opportunity to come into the throne room of our good God, to come to a God who knows us, who understands our struggles, who has experienced temptation, yet never chose to give in, who loves us and gives us what we need to keep going so we can remain faithful to the end, why would we not take up the invitation to pray? We have no better reasons than these to bring us to our knees in surrendering prayer. The question is not why pray. The question is why wouldn't we? Why continue to struggle on our own when we can freely accept the help that God has given us through Jesus Christ, his son? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us one to help, that you have given us your one and only son, Jesus. We thank you that Jesus has made a way for us to come into the very presence of God. We thank you that Jesus knows and understands all our weaknesses and all the temptations that we face. And we thank you that Jesus desires to step into our mess, though we deserve nothing of his help. And Lord, I pray for all of us today, that these reasons will be our guiding motivation for why we surrender to you in prayer and ask that you would help us to faithfully persevere, to live the ways that you have set out before us despite all the temptations and trials and suffering that this life will throw at us so that we might remain faithful to the end and we might receive the promise of eternal life to live in your presence forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Father, not my will, but yours be done.